Well, I have my sermon this time, so that's a win. <laughs> Last time I preached, it was a scramble to print it off, and usually I have a double copy. I have it today. And I don't, I mean, we're, uh, not, not weirdly, this is just how it goes. I don't feel that much more confident just because I have the word, because I know these notes, and I know what I see here, and there is just a glory coming from this which won't from this unless God is here. And that's kind of what this is all about. So the the title is called Becoming Motivated by God's Glory. Um, We're going to talk about God's glory. Uh, My students know this is one of my favorite things to talk about. This is it. Uh, Let's go to our vision and mission statement first. I think this is good to keep in front of us as we uh, look through the text. Um, I'm just going to read this. Go ahead, Josiah. I might be out of order here, but this is vision statement first. Okay, vision statement. Iowa Falls E-Free Church, we want to be becoming a church increasingly molded by God's word and motivated by God's glory as we make disciples of all nations. Okay. And our mission from that vision is simple. It's to know Christ, to make Christ known. That's what we're all about. And, uh, this is a sermon I've, I've looked forward to preaching for some time because I, this is so at the heart of everything we do. It's good news, and, and we want eyes to see it. So, where are we going to see it? In the Word, by the Spirit. If you've, uh, if you've got a Bible, turn to 2 Corinthians 4. We're going to start at verse 1, read through verse 6. And if you're able, go ahead and stand. Let's, uh, let's look at it together. The Apostle Paul writes, Therefore, having this ministry by the mercy of God, we do not lose heart. But we have renounced disgraceful, underhanded ways. We refuse to practice cunning or to tamper with God's word. But by the open statement of the truth, we would commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, with ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ Jesus. All right, you may have a seat. And let's apply the text right now by praying uh, together. Jesus, we want to see your glory, and we just confess hearts that are cold, eyes that are dim, uh, or, or blind altogether. God, we want to see you today. So show us your glory. Like Moses prayed, God, show us your glory. And we trust you will, in Jesus' name, by Jesus' blood, amen. All right, this is good. Uh, this is a good, good passage. It comes from a letter, right, of Paul to a church in 
Corinth. So, so Paul had a ministry God gave him, which was mostly um, missionary slash church planting work. And this is one of the people groups who he brought the gospel to. He built a church there on the good news. And here, uh, in this second letter to them, we, we see that Paul is, uh, just kind of for some context, he's encouraging them to hold to the one true gospel, to not desert it towards a different one. And he's uh, recognizing that there are some people in this area who apparently would be anti-Paul, who don't like Paul's authority or Paul's witness. So he begins in chapter 3 and talks through this super extensive, really detailed and historically packed section of ministry. Uh, Like Paul had a ministry, and he's arguing that his ministry of righteousness is a glorious thing. And we are not in the Middle East right now, and we are not uh, around 60 AD, but we have a ministry, don't we? Uh, It's very different. It's in Iowa Falls. It's uh, totally culturally different, and yet I would argue it's still a glorious ministry. Uh, Paul had a ministry that was glory-filled, and so is ours, because the message is the same. It's not ultimately what Paul was doing that was awesome, or what we do at Iowa Falls Ephraim that's epic and noteworthy, but it's this message that is really, really good. It's the message that Jesus died, he resurrected, he fulfilled all of the scriptures, and made a way for us to be reconciled with a holy God through his blood. It's good news. It's good news. It was Paul's message back then. It's our message today. We know this. Uh, And I I love, I I still consider myself something of a newcomer. Uh, We're we're going into year three of the Dykema tenure here, and and I'm grateful. I'm grateful specifically that for way more than those uh, two years, this church has been handed, like we have inherited a ministry of gospel central work where Christ is proclaimed as Lord. It's really good. It's really good. And I know some of you guys have had a super, uh, well, a, a long time in this church family doing that, but we look back to others before who brought the gospel to our community. We look to saints ages and ages ago, who have persevered. And even, Paul, and Paul draws this line in the passage before, that Christians have inherited a ministry from Jesus that is greater than the ministry that came thousands of years before. Uh, even better than Moses. This giant of faith named Moses, we know him, right? The, the mediator between God and Israel, the one whose face shone because he was in the presence of God. Paul says our ministry is better than his. And I I just recognize that it doesn't always feel like that, does it? Where we know, uh, (laughs) we we know, uh, there's been multiple times, and I love my students uh, dearly, but, but, there many times, many times, I'll, I'll walk away from something and go like, did that what happened? Like, was, was Jesus seen there? Was, uh, was the word understood? I don't know. Like, some kid was putting a cheese in his water cup, and that's just, like, weird, and then drinking, and there's, 
there's really times where we do ministry and things which are so bizarre would appear to have the reins. They don't. Some of you teach Sunday school in Awana, uh, and you know maybe the look of <laughs> the look of blank stares or the, the chaotic classrooms. Like, you've seen it. You know it. Is that ministry glorious? What about parents? Parents, what about the, the more like long-suffering ministry of working with your children, trying to help them see the goodness of God and how to see that some choices they may be making really will corrode or destruct their souls. Like that's a ministry. That's a ministry that doesn't always seem so glorious. Uh, older folks, what about, what about when you come uh, after serving a lot of years and are just tired? Like, what do you do then? Is there glory enough to persevere in gospel work? Paul's going to show us something. He's going to show us that this ministry is glory-filled. He's going to show us that in our glory-filled ministry, we don't lose heart. It's good. And ultimately, the purpose of ministry, I mean, both in our lives and in our church, is glorious because the news we proclaim is glorious. Look at verse 1 with me again. He says, having this ministry by the mercy of God, we don't lose heart. Okay, so everything else we look at, I want you to look at in light of this, don't lose heart, okay? We have different ministries, we get that. Paul's exhortation is to not lose heart. Why? Okay, we're going to look at a few things I see in the text. First being in verse 2. I I think we don't lose heart because our ministry is transparent and it's true. Look in the text. Here we go. Verse 2. We have renounced disgraceful and underhanded ways. We refuse to practice cunning or to tamper with God's word. But by the open statement of the truth, we would commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. Okay, so Paul says that he doesn't lose heart, but, and then he lists a few things that he does or doesn't do in his ministry. And what are those? Well, he's renounced what is disgraceful. He doesn't buy into this attitude of being cunning. He doesn't tamper with the Bible. He openly tells truth. And uh, he says he commends himself to people's consciences in the sight of God. And those are, those are some interesting uh, principles. I, I was wondering, so if we say our church is one that is becoming motivated by God's glory, and we, are, we will see where Paul derives this text to glory, how does our ministry maybe overlap with some of these things? Here, here's what I was kind of reflecting on. For one thing, in our church, we're not going to use the end of something, like the goal, to justify the means. We, we believe that how we do what we do matters, right? Uh, this is, I, I think, uh, just why words like flashy and trendy and attractional don't describe our church very well, right? Because we're not about that. We've never been about that. What else? Well, I see Paul refuses to be cunning, and 
there is, uh, and speaking, uh, back to as a youth pastor, my desire is not to be clever in that ministry, but to be wise, <laughs> right? Like there's this, I, I know, I've seen it. Youth ministry is this trap for teachers feeling like they have to be relevant or cool, and that's not what we're about. We're not trying to be clever. We're not trying to sell the gospel. We're trying to show the gospel. We want to be wise. So that's a pillar. What else? Well, Paul doesn't tamper with scripture. That's interesting. We know that we can subtract from what scripture says and end up in liberalism. We can add to what scripture says and end up in legalism. This is this is kind of hard sometimes because this book is really, let's say, precise, right? And this is something which I've noticed in the way that Jeremy preaches week in and week out. He's prioritizing not his stories, not his ideas, but the Word of God. And, and the desire is to have everything we speak from the pulpit be shaped in content and in tone by the Scriptures. That is a value of our church family. How about openly declaring truth? Do we do that? Paul did that. I mean, we certainly try, <laughs> right? Oh, we certainly try. We don't hold, uh, just acknowledging, like, we don't hold some sort of secret knowledge. Like, what we're doing is not special, right? We don't want people to, to just build Iowa Falls Evangelical Free Church, but to build the kingdom of God in Iowa Falls, that's good stuff. We don't want people just to join our church family, but to join our church family so that they would be joined into the family of God. Okay, that makes sense? We openly declare what is true, putting Christ as Lord, ourselves as servants. And also, this, fifth, uh, this other idea in verse 2. Paul commends himself to people's consciences. We, we want to live and teach the gospel in a way that is winsome and persuasive. And we, we admit we don't do that perfectly, but we try. And that's a goal. I, I've noticed in particular Sunday school classes focus on this, right? Like in our work, how can we exalt God? How do we evangelize well? Like these, these are topics of Sunday school classes, which I know the elders teach as a, as a hope to prepare us, church family, to to openly declare the truth in a way that is winsome and persuasive. It's good. So, we don't lose heart because our ministry is transparent, it's honest, it's uh, good to the conscience, and it's, it's true. It is what is right and what lasts. What else? Why else do we not lose heart, church family? Here's, a, here's a, maybe an unexpected one which we find in verse 3. Paul says, we don't lose heart because we know unbelievers are spiritually blind. Read verse 3 with me. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. In other words, we, we understand that when we share the gospel, when God's word goes out, it will be rejected by some who are veiled. People who have spiritual heart eyes which are not open but are 
closed to the truth. It's like something is over their hearts that keeps them from seeing and believing the truth. And that's just a difficult thing, right? Paul's not, like he does not sugarcoat this. The God of this world has blinded the minds of unbelievers. And we know that while the Bible certainly, certainly teaches responsibility, like personal responsibility for sin, we also see in this text a more passive uh, doing of unbelievers that is a being blinded by Satan. So we take this seriously. We say that Satan has a very evil and very real work. And in some ways it is very effective. So I just wonder like, Paul, how does this keep us from losing hope? Losing heart. It's interesting. I I mean, I see that. Okay, Paul has a ministry of glory, one of integrity. He has witnessed the goodness of God in Christ. And maybe he's like discouraged when he's rejected, but he doesn't give up. Not, Not to the point of despair, because ultimately he is unable to make blind people see. Why is that good? It's good because we know one who does do that. We know one who can do the invisible heart surgery, the unveiling. It's good. It's good. So I think basically that rejection even pushes Paul towards prayer, pushes Paul to praise the name of the one who can deliver. And I I, I just... I see in, in my study, like my heart hears this text and just says, may my inability only exalt God's ability, right? Like where I am weak, may he be seen as strong. It's good. So we don't lose heart. We also, <laughs> I, mean, I mean, I think we can ask, like, is that, is that arrogant? Is it arrogant to say, well, our eyes have been opened, but theirs haven't. I think it is maybe without verse 5. So we read verse 5. Here it is. For what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, with ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. That's good. So in this text, Christians definitely aren't the heroes. <laughs> we, can, we can't pull that out. We see that even in our church, it's not the pastors or the elders or the members who get the glory, but only Jesus. He's done it. The work is finished, and we want to show it. So in our ministry of righteousness, of love, we don't proclaim ourselves as impressive, but Jesus. And, and one way I, I remember, it was a little over a year ago, seeing this, we, we had a, a celebration for Jeremy's 10-year uh, finish, like he crossed that line. And it was this sweet moment that, that hit me. And maybe some of you remember this too, where there's this, I, I just saw the whole church family giving a due honor to a man who's shepherded them well. And the response of Pastor Jeremy was, I mean, it wasn't even, I, I know there were thank yous, but it was instead in this moment, I'm just a servant. It's like, this is the, like, Jesus saved me, this is the do. And that's a, y'all, that comes, I think it's from Luke. It, it was something that Jesus told people to do because we know that we are 
servants underneath a master and Lord who has done great things among us. So, so in that case I, I, of the church life, I, I just saw such a sweet display of this happening, and it was encouraging to me. I, it was a great, it was a great weekend. Um, it, I think I think this gets to the heart of it, right? I mean, because this is, I mean, this is Jeremy's heart in saying I'm a servant. This is why we do ministry. It's not to prop ourselves up, not to put more people in the chairs, but to show Jesus as glorious. It's to hold out the glory of God so that others might see and believe. And we do this for, for children. We have all sorts of discipleship programs which are working to that end. And we do it in the community, uh, not mainly through programs, but just acknowledging that we work and live and we volunteer and have hobbies which are in Iowa Falls and we interact with people. And that is opportunity uh, to proclaim the glory of the Lord. It's good. So, let's go lastly to verse 6 here. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ Jesus. Why do we have hope? Because we see the glory of God. I love it. Uh, we, we know in the beginning God said, let there be light, and there was. Something I think is worth noting uh, is that he didn't create the sun, uh, the stars, the moon until day four. Light came on day one. So we go, okay, that doesn't add up. Where does the light come from? What is it? Uh, and, and I don't think Scripture is explicit on this matter, but I think Revelation gives us a really good hint. Uh, in chapter 2, verse 5, it talks about the uh, ending of night. It, it's interesting. We see that in the coming kingdom, night is done away with, and there is an eternal day which comes, a never-ending day where God himself is the light of his renewed creation. Revelation 22.5. Look it up. It's good. So we see this God who created light, who is himself our light and our life. (laughs) This God who created billions of trillions of stars with his breath has put in us, his people, knowledge of his glory. The veil is gone. We see Jesus. And I, just, I look forward to, I long for the day when we're with him in a renewed creation so that we don't have to even look at the sun anymore. The sun being the creation symbol of the light and life of God. Right, we, we know this. February comes, it's cloudy for a month, and we're like, guys, where is the sun? And in the summer, maybe we forget that. But when it gets dark, we miss it. And isn't that even a parable of just the longing of our hearts for the life and light of God himself, right? So, in things like that, let's just make a habit of looking through the picture, through the gift of sun, and seeing the glory of God in it, okay? What else? Let's do this. I mean, we want to make this a habit in the, the common things we do. 
What else can we look like? Later on, we're going to be at a softball game. We, we like spending time outside. And I know a lot of us, between farmers and, and going on hikes and bike rides, you're outside, church family. And that's good. And as we're outside, we want to find ways to see God's glory in his handiwork. The God of creation is seen in his creation. So praise God for light. And where else do we see him? In the face of Jesus. So our mission involves staring not just at the, the world around, which we, we should do, but also at Jesus. We, we look at him long and closely. So who is he? Who is he? This is the God-man, the powerful Messiah, the sacrificial lamb, the firstborn of all creation, the serpent crusher, right? And and let's just ask, like, we want to find ways to ask questions which help our hearts see and feel this. So so ask yourself, how, how good is our God? I mean, take the goodness of a sunset, the goodness of a steak, the goodness of a conversation with a friend, who you haven't seen for a while, wrap those all up, multiply it times a thousand, and you're not there yet, right? How good is he? How mighty is he? Nuclear explosions don't hold a candle to the authority of our king. Guys, by his breath, things came to be. Let's not let that truth be lost on us. How kind is he? that he would be so good and so powerful and so transcendent and yet know us personally and care for us personally. Know every sparrow that dies, every hair that falls. It's good. How kind is he? And how satisfying is he? If there is any contentment to be found in this broken world, how much more is there in Christ? It's good. So let's not settle just for the picture. Let's enjoy the picture. And let's give thanks to God and exalt in God himself. And that's, guys, that's just who he is. I mean, we haven't even talked about the cross yet. And the cross is the center of it all. The blazing center of glory. That's what he's done. We look at it long and hard because we're hungry for glory. That, that is the longing of every human heart. Let's maybe briefly recap. So we don't lose heart because our ministry is transparent and true. We don't lose heart because we, we acknowledge that unbelievers are, are spiritually blind And we don't lose heart because we have seen the glory of God. By his mercy, the veil is off. So what's the application? Church, we think behold and hold. We behold the glory of God, and we hold the glory of God for others to behold. All this is that our our joy would really increase as, as we do these things. So, Let's go holding first. Like, how, do, how does our church family hold up 
the glory of God in a given week. There are programs. We know that, right? Like, there are Bible studies Monday and Wednesday and life groups Wednesday and Thursday. And there's worship team, practice, and we have youth groups. And there's things and things and things. That's good. That's good. And what about all the silent times which aren't seen? As, like as we spread through the week and we read the Bible on our own. What about when we come together and we sing with all we've got because we acknowledge our God is worthy of it? There's many things if we have eyes to see. So let's look. Let's look. And beholding. How do we behold our God? I mean, that's, that's the title of a song we sing. Behold our God. How do we do that in singing? I think it's by this like blending of words which are perfectly fit to exalt Christ and melody which is as beautiful as we can make it, <laughs> right? And when we put those two together, hopefully there is this exaltation both in heart and of mind in Jesus, that we would see him as holy and see that as a good thing. That we would see his greatness and not think of the word great cheaply. That we would uh, turn our eyes to Jesus and fix them on the cross. It's good. So we do it. And we don't lose heart. Uh, I mean, we know through uh, the discouragement, there is glory. And through the joy, there is glory, right? Hills and valleys both. And, and let's do that. Uh, I'm ready to do that through singing. So let's pray together. Jesus, we, we, we see that sometimes our hearts don't feel or sense or perceive your, your glory as being mighty. We know that always our hearts don't perceive it as being as good as it really is. So we pray that you would open our eyes wide, that you would give us a glimpse of glory, that you would show us the weightiness of your majesty, that you would show us the tender mercies of your hearts for for sinners, um, that you would remind us of who we are, that you would remind us of who you are, that you would, through scripture,